0: Hey everyone, this is Michael Penate, and you're listening to an episode of the Spending Time Podcast. I'm joined today by Zach Pina for another uh, fun round of Watch Talk. How are you doing,
1: Zach? Pretty good. How's it going, fam? Thanks for having me, as always.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since we talked, and a lot has happened. Um, you've been on a couple trips, you've seen some cool watches, and um, today we're going to be talking about watches in the field and watches that are actually used and inspired by specific uh professions so um it's a huge part of watch marketing today something that we both probably feel gets overly abused at times um but as we kind of plunge deeper into what the watch hobby is we quickly learn to realize um how watches are actually used uh, in in real professions, say if you're a pilot or if you're a professional diver, um, you know, we're just trying to discuss and uncover um what using a watch actually is like
1: yeah i I really like this topic i mean i'm 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 kind of a staunch advocate for you know, every watch regardless of its purpose or intent having. Um, at least 100 meters of water resistance just so that I can feel like it can go wherever I want to go wherever it needs to go And I think if you look at most technical or sports watches or watches that are designed to do specific things besides just tell time or, or designed to go to specific places with their wares they're usually sport watches and I think like this is a this should be a really cool kind of ongoing series I hope because uh, i mean I, today I think on the menu we're talking about aviation watches, pilot watches um, but there's a ton of other cool stuff out there, from dive to military-inspired stuff to racing watches, uh, all kinds of interesting contexts where these products get used. And, and to your point, you know, at, at the heart of that is, is certainly marketing, but it's really, really cool to witness firsthand when a product kind of um, eclipses the, the, the actual marketing and becomes the thing it was intended to be, and that's, that's super neat to see.
0: Yeah, definitely. When a watch is just kind of well built as it is <laughs> without any sort of connection to a professional field, but it becomes this sort mm-hmm. of icon, you know, exactly. just on its own. Yeah, yeah, that's, exactly. That's the best kind of deal. Um, I kind of, the fr- I don't want to get right into watches, but the Breitling Aerospace is the first thing that comes <laughs> to mind for me. I, I just feel like they built, a, they wanted to build a cool watch and it just became super popular with pilots. Um, but there are a ton of fun pilot watches.
1: Yeah, there absolutely are. And I, I think it's it's funny. I'm actually am pulling my aerospace out of the drawer uh, and holding it now. And, you know, the, the thing that I really, really like about this watch is that um, they did – I think originally they did say, hey, we made this thing specifically for people. And they kind of spelled it out who it was for. And uh, I think this is – probably the third or the fourth the aerospace evo is the one that i have so it's probably the third or the fourth generation i think but at this point you know this watch is such an icon that, that Brightling doesn't really have to say who it's for anymore like you see I, and this is this is what also one of those few watches where um you, know, you take a stroll through pretty much any airport just about anywhere in the united states or in europe and you'll you're bound to see a few of these and they're worn by pilots they're worn by uh, you know, frequent flyer types. They're worn by um, you know, kind of cruddy, like globe trotting travelers, uh, such course, as I often yeah. look like myself. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I, I this is this is a super cool piece. I'm glad I'm glad you brought it up. I think I think it's the perfect way to kind of kick this thing off.
0: Uh, before we get started, you want to do a, a fun uh, wrist check? See what we're wearing right as we record
1: this. Yeah, and it's actually it's coincidental that I'm I'm wearing a pilot watch today. So uh, maybe I'll start off. But I'm wearing uh, an IWC uh, Spitfire UTC, and this was uh, this was introduced I think in around 2000, in like the early 2011, 2012, early 2010s. It's it's roughly five six years old. Um, I found it NOS. Uh, it's been discontinued. This kind of predates the. The Kern era, as, as we've come to call it, um, but I really, really like this piece. It has an independently adjustable hour hand, uh, a UTC aperture at six o'clock, so it shows twenty-four hour time there, and then a date at three. Silver dial, applied numerals. Uh, this is a super, super cool piece. I've been chasing one in pretty good condition for a while, and, and, and uh, finally found one. Literally with with box papers, stickers. Uh, it actually still had the warranty card that was uh, undated but stamped to a jeweler down
0: here in the South Bay. So it worked out really nice. How about you? Very cool. I, coincidentally, I think I'm wearing the same watch that I was wearing last time we chatted. <laughs> uh, and this is, I just I threw it on this morning. It's kind of the easiest watch for me to just pick up and wear. And it's the, uh, the Doxa Sub 300 oh, yeah. Black Lung. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know, diving is something that can definitely weave its way into this this series. Uh, and I'm not a diver, um, but my wife and I were kind of, we we got like the books and we're scheduling our our pool sessions nice. and stuff like that. So hopefully, little little by little, maybe I can actually put this yeah. thing to good use. Well, I'm glad you. But, uh, I'm glad
1: you're doing it that way. I gotta say, if I have to give, if I were to give any advice to anyone who is thinking about. Uh, doing what you're doing and thinking about taking the plunge and, and going to the classes and doing all that to get certified, um, do it yeah. with your partner. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're both super stoked. That's great. She's, That's she's great. actually
0: been really, really pushing for it. Oh, good. Okay. Um, good. Good. But this yeah, yeah this thing gonna, is you're gonna end up in someone with kind of the archetypal dive dive watch. No, you
1: know? it absolutely is. And that kind of dovetails along with what we're you know, the topic of these conversation and watches in the field. I mean, that's one of the original watches in the field as used by, um, you know, the Cousteau's many kind of aquanauts of many eras and generations. But that was, that dive watch has been there since the very beginning of, of sport diving. So that's, that's, that's the Genesis right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's some, something about it as quirky as it is, it's just like bright orange and, um, totally bananas in every way it's just so easy to wear and um just so fun it's it's not even like my most expensive watch but it's definitely the one I've grown super attached to
1: that's awesome that's awesome to hear yeah I I, have I I think that's I think the watches that uh that give you the most joy are the ones that don't necessarily have to be the most expensive but uh they just make sense you know
0: for sure so I think um I think Probably the the one recent event that kind of sparked this this discussion or inspired us to take this route is uh, you recently kind of wrapping up a trip with um, Hamilton and just um, seeing the way watches are worn out in the field by these uh, professionals doing some totally. Crazy stuff uh, in airplanes. <laughs> so, yeah. if you want to give us a primer on that, yeah, absolutely. So,
1: without kind of giving away too much of the story, um, we were out in uh, Fort Worth at the Dallas, or excuse me, at the Texas Motor Speedway for the final chapter of the Red Bull Air Race. So, it's a eight race series that goes all around the world. Basically, it's kind of like the F1 or the NASCAR of airplanes, if there's a, a really dumb way of stripping it down um everybody flies the same airplane has the same engine same body same prop and then the guys are allowed to customize any other aspect on the airplane they race around um a series of air filled pylons these kind of uh air filled towers around the course and they just do it as fast as they can and the goal is to fly past or through each set of pylons as uh as quickly and as level as possible so it's sort of a it's sort of a mix of uh, speed and precision because if you if you if you enter the course too fast, if you pull too many G's, which is a safety issue, if you pass around one of the pylons um, and your aircraft isn't fully level with the horizon, or if you nick one of the pylons, um, you're docked seconds off your time. And so the, the course laps are between 50 seconds and a minute. So it's it's pretty sweet. It's it's uh, it's really spectator friendly. Um, the tension kind of gets ra- you know ratcheted up as as the day goes on. Um, races are won and lost by thousandths of a second it's really very cool Um, I was I kinda went into it with a little bit of uh, you know I didn't really know a ton about the sport I watched a fair amount of YouTube videos and stuff going into it but it was it was really really very cool, and I came away from from the weekend with a kind of a newfound appreciation for the precision that these these guys have. I mean, not only do these guys have huge balls, but they, you know, they have incredible reflexes, but also the ability to, um, yeah, you know, the the ability to subject yourself to the g forces that they do, and still being able to make these kind of razor quick uh, decisions is really really impressive. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a super niche sport, really unique. But we were there because Hamilton uh, Hamilton Watches is, is the official uh, sponsor of the Red Bull Air Race, and they have been for the last two years. So um, it was really cool. They have uh, they have four sponsored pilots, uh, four pilot ambassadors, essentially. One of whom, who's been with the brand for a number of years, um, flies a Hamilton branded plane, and then the other three just fly various planes, uh, but wear Hamilton watches. And uh, we actually went up in the air with one of the pilots. And uh, stick around. By the time this podcast airs, uh, hopefully that story should be very close to publishing. So I'm really excited for you guys to read it.
0: Nice, and does this, um, I've, I've actually never been to one of these air races. Is this kind of in uncontrolled airspace or are these guys um, talking to air traffic at all? You know, is it, I, I guess, you know, is it around like 1,200 feet? How how far yeah. up are they? Yeah, you know it was
1: um, it was pretty. It's it's super low. So you you I, I I get the sense that you have much more aviation experience than I do. I have very little. Um, eh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said twelve hundred feet, I think that was actually really close to the the window that we were flying, and I think it was around fifteen hundred to two thousand. It was pretty low. Um, okay. One thing that was really cool, and again, not trying to give away the story completely, but we did have uh, throughout the duration of our flight, which was about 25 minutes, um, we had, you know, I could hear the pilot and I were able to talk to each other, but we could also hear all of the air traffic that was going on as well. And I do know that during the air race, it's a cl- it's closed airspace. Pretty much, they had the Texas, you know, the Texas Motor Speedway, which is freaking huge. I've I've yeah. I've never. I've been to a few NASCAR tracks, but I've never seen that one, and that one is just epically massive. I mean, it's just like, It it could not be more like hashtag America than than you can possibly imagine in this <laughs> giant racetrack in the middle of the. Anyway, um, so the the air race occupies the airspace above the motor speedway, which again is massive, and then kind of the zone around it. But the runway is in the middle of the speedway, so they they t- they taxi take off from the middle of the speedway. They kind of fly out a little bit, and they just they just circle the airspace in and around. So essentially, they, I think they call it a box, and the the box that the pilots are able to fly. Is it's around 2000 feet, I think, is the ceiling. Um, and the lowest they go at around 200 miles an hour or 230k, I think, for our uh, European audience 300k, 330 mm-hmm. that's gonna be wrong. Somebody's gonna call us on that, <laughs> but uh, part, 40, part it thing. is, yeah, yeah, uh, 40 feet off the ground is the lowest and um, 80 feet is the height of the pylons. So most of the course takes place between that 40 to 80 foot window unless they are exiting the course and circling back or pulling like a massive loop to, 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 because they do two laps on the course. They do a lap around it and kind of like a swimmer, when the swimmer gets to the end of the pool and flips over and then goes back the way he came, they do the same thing. They get to the end of the course and they pull this massive loop-de-loop and then they shoot back through the course the way they came. And in that massive loop, they have to keep the g load under. I think it was under twelve gs, and um, which as I would come to find out, twelve gs is a lot. And military pilots can get upwards of that. But when you look at these planes, which are, you know, they're glorified lawnmowers. It's a small single engine plane. It's uh, fully manual. There's no automation in it whatsoever. It's just like the yoke and the instruments. It's super neat. Um, nice. So yeah, there's 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 a there's a lot of skill and precision there, but to answer your question in a super roundabout way, <laughs> they they have a box. It's about the size of the motor speedway. So <laughs>
0: cool. Well speaking speaking about the Gs and and all the sort of stress that you go through when you're up there, you kind of think about the tools and the the instruments you have when you're um uh kind of flying around doing what you're doing, whether you're a a commercial aviation pilot or a military pilot, and you think about um, what has been built into pilot watches uh, ever since they were born, essentially. Um, and I think one of the primary features is just uh, construction that's built to withstand that kind of stress, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's from um, pressure deviations mm-hmm. or you know just massive g-forces. Mm-hmm. Um, So kind of in practicality, can we sort of uh, summarize the basics of a pilot watch and what what a person would need if they're a flat out professional?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think like like you said... You know the, the the drops in pressure is absolutely one. Um, G force is another one, and and again, like a quick primer on G force is that like where you're sitting right now and in your seat recording this is is essentially one G. That's one. Uh, you know, the gravitational force is you again and the ground, and a G G forces are incurred uh, in not speed but in acceleration or deceleration. So. Um, mm-hmm. If you were to be slapped in the face, uh, a slap in the face measures G's very, very briefly, but it's an acceleration and deceleration of that moment of impact. Um, also, if you were to swerve to avoid a deer or something on the road in your car, well, G-forces are at work there. Same thing applies in these smaller planes where you're going. Literally, I mean, these the, the max speed of these planes, I think, is, is around 220 or 230 miles an hour. And so, you know, if you're going flat out and they're whipping through a chicane or something and the plane whips... You know, vertical and then horizontal again, and then vertical again. All three of those turns in quick succession incur various g forces. Um, So the the watch needs to be able to the watch should be able to handle or exceed what a human can handle or exceed, essentially. And so I've been doing a fair amount of reading on uh, NASA tests because you know, in order for a Speedmaster to be flight qualified, it has to be put in a centrifuge, and part of Part of the reason that um, you know, automatic watches, this this is part of my understanding is that the reason automatic watches didn't make that test is because um, they passed the centrifuge test whereas the manual did. So part of it was operation in G-force and part of it was also um, like the, the, the resistance to that spinning effect. And I, I, I think um, 40 Gs is what they tested to and, and 40 is an obscene number and no... I. A human has gone. <laughs> so uh, I wish I, I don't actually have the page pulled up, but um, there was a there was a fella in the fifties that I think he was tested to forty five. And f- somebody, feel free to email or comment if if uh, I'm not going to search while we're doing this, but. Um, he basically just like strapped himself to some rockets and it was the acceleration it was very brief but they say i think it was measured to uh to 45 but anyway the punchline is that if you were to eject from a fighter jet that's around 20 g's and that can be that can be permanently damaging if you exit the if you exit the aircraft wrong so 20 is an extreme event um 10 is the maximum around the maximum window of what they see kind of in this um in this this Red Bull air race scenario so the punchline here i think is that We've seen watches like the uh, the Bremont, uh, the MB series, MB1, MB2, and MB3. Yep. So those were tested to survive an ejection. So at least 20 Gs. So that's, I mean, that's, and that's an automatic watch. And I do remember um, it was either Nick or Giles saying that, I mean, that was a, that was a challenging watch for them to make because it's an automatic watch and that's an extreme amount of uh, G force. So, <clears throat> so I think. I think these Hamilton watches, they're not tested to 20 Gs, but they can survive essentially what the what the pilot can feasibly survive. And in this particular environment, we can safely say that like all these guys are wearing automatic watches, some chronographs, some quartz, some three-hand. Um, you know, 10, 15 Gs is no problem um, for an automatic watch. And I think that's a pretty safe window. That's a pretty safe thing to assume that, like, you know, it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be like a a specially regulated or customized movement to be able to survive that kind of force.
0: Yeah, I love the MB series, and uh, I hope to own one one day, actually. Yeah, they're they're super cool.
1: You know, another thing that Raymond does that's interesting, and I think this dovetails into what other pilot watches can be tested as, all of the MBs are 200 meter water resistant. And I understand that water resistant is not important for a pilot. This IWC I'm wearing right now is uh, 60 meters. The six, what is that, six ATM. Um, but it has a screwed it on crown. It shouldn't be neglected. No, it shouldn't be. It has a screwed on crown and I swim with it. So I, I feel I feel okay about that. This is the lowest water resistance of any watch that I own. Um, but Bremont actually tests the MB to uh, resist salt fog, which I thought was interesting Hmm. But the reason for that is because they wanted the watch to be able to be deployed by deck crew. So, like, aircraft carrier guys who are out there ah. actually in, like, literal salt fog. So this this watch has undergone some interesting corrosion anti-corrosion tests um, to resist that kind of environment. So it's a pilot watch per se, but it's not just for pilots. And I think they've made a great point of making their watches more, like, broadly purpose-built for like armed forces, which I think is really fascinating.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just maybe maybe because I've never worked in the military sector, but all of the pilots that I've, you know, I, I love everything that goes into building a modern pilot watch today and brands like Bremont are doing amazing things, Hamilton as well. But the thing is, every time I've interacted with a pilot, be they, you know, ex-military or uh you know flight instructor they're always just down with wearing the citizen eco dress. <laughs> something something yep. like a navi hawk uh, i can't tell you how many of those uh busted i mean busted but still working blue angels citizens i've seen <laughs> out you know <laughs> in general aviation
1: yeah, yeah. i mean yeah for every aerospace that I've seen on the wrist of like a a flight looking guy I've seen ten of those those Navy Hawks <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah yeah of course but to be
1: fair I mean it's a, it's a great looking watch it does it does universal time um I mean they're super accurate I think it's radio controlled variants um i've never I've never owned one but I know that um, if you're looking for an affordable kind of no nonsense um like quartz watch that could serve as like a mm-hmm. like a, a really good tool watch. I think that's a that's a perfect example of um, of something that a actual fighter pilots and pilot type people wear and B like I mean justifiably so. It's affordable. Uh, it looks pretty cool. It kind of looks the part. I mean, really.
0: <laughs> this is kind of fun. Also, I yeah I flew to uh, Hong Kong not long ago for the Hong Kong watching Clock Fair. And uh, an Asiana flight attendant was wearing uh, a GMT master. Oh nice. And when I saw that, I feel like I was instantly transported to that romantic <laughs> 50s era uh, when the watch was being marketed as something that was really worn by the entire crew. It wasn't right. it wasn't just yeah. it wasn't just for the pilots as we kind of see it today. You know, if you're flying the Concorde tomorrow, you're gonna wear a GM, you know, right right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was
1: weren't the Pan Air, the Pan, Pan Am Air crews like equipped with them or something? I I'm I'm not fully up to yep. my history on that, but uh, yeah, yeah.
0: But I mean, yeah, it, I think I think by 50, 54 or fifty three, they were kind of uh, getting out there in circulation.
1: Okay, that sounds about right. So so in in your mind, what what makes for a pilot watch? Because I, I I certainly have my own criteria, and then I think once we've kind of established what our personal criteria are, it would be cool. To, to uh, to talk about uh, a few more examples of what these guys are actually wearing
0: so really in the field at least uh with the pilots that i've that i've worked with they were all super excited about the watches they would fly with when they had some kind of additional functionality mostly with uh, a slide rule bezel oh interesting or what or what we call sometimes like a whiz wheel, you know, where you can make a when you can make some additional calculations with uh, fuel and wind correction angle, which actually I think the Hamilton Crosswind will do as well. That's correct. they they have like a wind correction angle bezel.
1: That's exactly uh, correct. And it's honestly it's I, I think it's even more complicated than the <laughs> than the Navi timer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh has no fewer than Two rotating internal bezels, uh, two yeah. two different rotating bezels. Uh,
0: so something something that's really <laughs> um, something that has that kind of extra functionality in the bezel, and maybe something that will get you another time zone. But you know, a, a lot of the guys working day to day, if you're a CFI, a certified flight instructor, you're just you're not really thinking about multiple time zones. Um, but I guess if you're um, if you're flying, you know, within the U.S. at least, mm-hmm. you wanna you want at least at least the ability to track a second time zone with with your bezel. Right. You know, even you you don't even need to have a, a GMT hand. Yep. I think about like the uh, the old Benrus uh, pilot slash dive watches with yep. just the the, uh, the twelve hour or something like a Helios C4. Yep,
1: that's like those are great examples. And I think I I, I think that speaks to the fact that. Uh, you know, simplicity reigns. I think you know, tool and, and gadget nerds always love to see. Uh, and and that to me is kind of the downfall of like the citizen is there's like it's it's all the things all at once. And that's also to me like, I, I love yeah. I love how iconic the navy timer is, but at the same time, like it's it's just a little bit too much. And for me, like, um, I mean, that, that is a, a, a pilot instrument, or at least it was at some point, but like I, that's part of why I love the aerospace Evo that I have because um, it's, a, it's a quartz movement, but it, now it would be perfect if it had a 12-hour bezel, I will say. I mean, it has a, it has a pretty standard like, uh, dive-style 60-minute unidirectional bezel, which is a little odd for this. But it has a quick set hour hand, and so you pop the crown out one position, and you flick the crown, and the hour and the minute hand whizzes all the way around the dial in 60 minute increments to set to the next hour. It's super slick. And to me, the most important thing is is not so much a second time zone, because I can usually do pretty quick math in my head, like, you know, right yeah. now, Geneva's eight hours up, or Michigan's three hours up, or New York, or whatever. Um, but... <clears throat> It's super important to me that I can just adjust it really quickly when I land. And, you know, whether you're you're bouncing through a couple different time zones or or whatever. So that's why I love this IWC is that it has that quick set hour hand. It does have the 24 hour window, which is handy, but at the same time, like um so I mean if you're if you're a pilot, if you're an actual pilot, to me the function that you're using the most or that you would prefer in your watch to have is um, the ability to set itself either autonomously when you land via like a Seiko astron which I've seen a few pilots wear um, mm-hmm. or something like this where it's just a, a quick manipulation of the crown um, and in some cases you don't even I mean it's in a perfect world you wouldn't even have to take the watch off your wrist you just adjust it really quickly
0: yeah i've I've had to spend some time you know because i I can't say I've ever been in the market for an original GMT master. It's just <laughs> <kind> of- <laughs> Not not really in my range to be honest. But if I understand correctly, something like the original 1675, it just had that extra hand geared as a 24 hour hand. So if you wanted the second time zone, you turned the bezel. I could be wrong, but yeah, earlier versions of it.
1: Yep. That's exactly correct.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and you don't you don't even have to take it off your wrist. So I'd actually I'd actually argue that as a professional, you know, a watch in the field, that's something that I would prefer. If if I was a professional pilot,
1: yeah, you know. yeah, no, I don't disagree. And I mean, you know, you look at you look at uh, what Bremont is doing. You know, going back to watches in the field and professional pilots, and um, <clears throat> and what uh, what Breitling's done with the aerospace and other other watches. I mean, that original model of uh, of Swiss watch companies. Um, you know, making sure that uh, the you know, pilots and industry professionals were wearing their product goes way back. I mean, that's a that's a tradition that's not new uh, to the industry by any means. I mean, you you know, we're speaking about uh, you know, how the original Pan Air, I keep wanting to say Pan Air, the Pan Am flight crews. I mean, there were there are Pan Am branded uh, GMT masters, are there not? I feel like I've seen
0: There probably are, yeah, to be honest. I'm not I'm not up if, on If my... there's a Domino's Rolex out there, there's probably a <laughs> Pan <laughs> <One>. Am, <laughs>
1: there has to be. I'm uh, I'm searching for that right now. GMT Master. Um, there has to be the legendary albino. No Pan Am logo, huh? Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah, one too. this is a, this is a real thing. It doesn't have the logo, but I think it was specifically issued to flight Anyway, um, <laughs> the fact the fact remains that like. It is very cool that these watches get issued, Uh, and I know that Breitling has, I don't know if they still do, but they used to, um, had like a military purchase program. Um, Because I feel like I've seen, you know, there are pricing structures that are reserved specifically for flight crews of certain airlines. It was the same thing with Bremont, like they have a military purchase program. Yeah, I know you can you, commission yeah, them to, to exactly. make something for your squadron. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and 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 relatively afford. I mean, uh, affordable, um, given sort of the final MSRP. But, um, yeah. So I, I mean, they're they're definitely in a position to encourage uh, that kind. Because I mean, at the end of the day, your end user kind of dictates. You know, your the perfect example of your end user. I think ultimately kind of informs who else is going to be buying your watches? And I'm not a military pilot, but if I knew that military guys were actually wearing one, I would I would certainly take that product more seriously, um, knowing that it was it was sort of dependent upon by that. So I think I think kind of on that note, like seeing all of like going back to this this Hamilton Red Bull thing and seeing all of the uh, the watches that the actual pilots chose to wear, um, to me was really interesting because, they, you know, they were allowed to choose anything from within like the Khaki Aviation Collection. Um, and it was, mm-hmm. to me, it was really interesting to see what they chose and why they chose those specific watches. Um, and, you know, as you guys will see in, in some of the photographs and stuff that are going to go into this story, like the, all four of the pilots wore something very different, um, which I thought was really, really cool. And uh, Nicholas, uh, Nicholas Ivanov, who is, uh, he's the pilot of the Hamilton branded plane, the orange plane. Um, <clears throat> he was actually wearing the watch that's on the tail of his plane and which is pretty sweet. I thought that was cool that, and oh, I got to check that. out <clears throat> and that watch is a couple years old and I uh, don't think it's in the current collection anymore. It's a, uh, it's, uh, it's a khaki chronograph. Um, that's a great looking chronograph. I don't, I think it's part of the X wind collection. It's not X wind or cross wind or cross wind. Everybody says it X wind, which
0: is it X wind? I I thought it was yeah. Crosswind. I thought it was
1: crosswind as well, and that made the most sense. Huh. But I heard several people from Hamilton say X wind, which oh, okay. Uh, unless they <laughs> unless they misspoke, <laughs> um I think crosswind is better. But anyway, um, so I thought that was super neat. Um, another pilot. Uh, and I think you know we actually have a sponsored post um that's up on a blog to watch right now. Maybe that can go in the show notes or something. Um, from April, when Hamilton announced uh, this particular partnership, they have photographs of all the pilots and some of the watches that they're wearing. Um, yeah, <clears throat> that uh, that could be cool to reference. But another one of the pilots, uh, is this fella who's from Canada, he actually got his start. He was he's been a bush pilot in in uh, kind of remote Canada for much of his young life, and he so he grew up flying fast and low. And I mean, it's, it's he he has this. <laughs> He has this almost like Luke Skywalker personality to him. Um, I mean, just, you know, growing up flying, you know, speed, uh, like flying speeders around or whatever and crop dusting. (laughs) Like he has, he totally has that vibe. And now he's this like, he's like this badass aerobatics pilot, which I thought was super cool. And his choice was, um, He's wearing, uh, he was wearing the khaki. So the Crosswind or X-Wind also has like a, a three-hand Day-Date version that's in all black. And that was his choice because it's it was simple and kind of badass. It does have a rotating bezel um, that he liked that. He could operate it with gloves. He said it you know, kind of stays out of the way. It's pretty low profile for a three-hander. Um, so that was his choice. But by far, the most interesting choice from all four of the pilots that we chatted with was... Um, uh, the Italian, his name was uh, Dario, and actually he was the newest addition to the team. And he was wearing another another watch that actually I think has been out for a year or two. And I'm sure you've seen this, but it's called the uh, it's called the Takeoff. It's the Hamilton Khaki. I think it's also an X Wind, but it's called the Takeoff. And <clears throat> the the, take I, a the idea is that uh, it's a chronograph. It's a three hand. It's a it's a it's a traditional traditional chronograph. Um, but it mounts it mounts to this special locking plate on your wrist and you can actually you can actually uncouple the locking mechanism and remove the watch head so it looks kind of like a stopwatch in your hand yeah, it com- a real deal completely separates that. but the kicker the kicker because when he showed that to me I you know I've seen that watch before and I was like oh cool you're wearing the takeoff and we started chatting about it and he said, "Yeah, I have a mount for it on my other plane," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and he pulls out his phone and he shows me a couple photos of the uh, of the instrument panel on his personal plane. So we were the plane that was in front of us was like the the Red Bull Media plane, the, the two seater. So his actual single seat stunt plane that he uses for for racing um, has a custom instrument panel, and on the panel, so the watch ships. It ships clipped to the strap, you know, in a traditional way. You wear it on your wrist, but it also ships with a special bracket mount uh, with screws that you can you can physically mount it to your instrument panel. So he showed me a photo of, so he gets in the plane and and he takes the watch off his wrist and then he mounts it to the instrument panel and then like starts the chronograph for his flight time and stuff like that. And I just thought that, I mean, it's, it's such the reason it's brilliant is not so that you can see what time it is. It's because when it's on your wrist and you're pulling, I, I can't say we did more than six G's cause we weren't allowed. I mean, there's a note on the dash, on his <laughs> dash that was like with passenger, do can't go over six G's. So we pulled exactly six G's and I, I mean, I didn't black out, but that, I mean, it was the most intense like roller coaster ride of my entire life. He goes all the way up to 10 or 12. But when you're when you're doing that, you can't see your wrist. You can barely move your head. And I think, you know, with yeah. with so much going on in the cockpit for these guys, if he needs to quick reference something, there's there's a, there's a number of redundancies in there, and timekeeping is one of them. So being able to pull the watch off your wrist and mounting it to the, the the instrument panel, is just it's it's such a neat touch, and it's one that. Um, one, I, I don't think any other brands offer this kind of a product, and two, it's it's so hyper specific to so few people. I think that's what makes it even more awesome that that it has this 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 feature that literally nobody will use, but the few people who do use it, I mean, it just galvanizes to me that that these these rad like purpose built products are truly like for very specific types of people. Because I think for us, it's really easy as desk divers or as desk pilots or what have you to to look at something and be like, that's silly. I would never use that. But to me, like, that just makes it that much cooler. I mean, I'm never going to use it, but the fact that it exists for somebody special is really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, of course. And you can, in aviation, at least, you can see watches span across that entire range of something that's totally purpose-built and something that, you know, is still reliable, but feels totally out of place. I mean, Chuck Chuck Yeager broke the sound barrier with like an <laughs> Oyster Perpetual on his wrist. That's it was right, just, it right. wasn't even like a sub. Yeah, it was just yeah. like off the shelf. Yeah. Uh, he, he probably wore it just because it worked. So um, kind, of, kind of my favorite pilot watch that I've ever seen in real life was uh, an old instructor I had. And he flew... Um, it was always fun to get yelled at by this guy. He flew, uh, He actually flew A fours with uh, with John McCain. Apparently, Whoa. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that was a big fish story, but uh, <laughs> you know, he he didn't seem like that kind of guy. But uh, you know, he's he's kind of up there in age now, and he still flies. And he just, I kind of, I kind of wish I would have clarified whether or not he wore this on missions but he just had this timex man on like an mm-hmm, expansion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on a on an expansion bracelet your your typical the granddad watch. flex <laughs> <laughs> exactly so um you know what man g-forces pressure drops uh i think pilots like divers or any other professional in the field just want something that works um, which is kind of cool to see how everyone takes that that different approach. Very true. Um, yeah, very I true. I do I do like I do like that that feature of mounting that clock on the uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the dash because today with especially in aviation you have something called glass cockpits, which is basically like these huge screens in the cockpit. You get everything you need. Um, you know, a ton of different clocks as well. So um, putting that up there uh, where you can see it right away is is definitely a cool uh, a cool feature yeah. because one pilot one pilot that i used to fly with he had a citizen i used to always notice that he would he would flip the watch so that's so it was on the inside of his wrist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know kind of kind of like what a driver would do mm-hmm. So that Hamilton, I would say, has a slightly more elegant approach.
1: That's pretty cool. You know, I've seen a lot of uh, military operators do the same thing because if you're if you're holding your rifle, let's say, so if you're if you're right-handed and you're holding your rifle with your left hand on the uh, what is it, the stock or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. you know, down the barrel, if the watch is on the inside of your wrist, and then if you if you put your eye sort of where the scope or the sights would be, you can actually read the time. You can see what time it is. you know, at a, at a glance, without having to move your wrist. So I I think that's that's definitely like a, a military kind of wilderness maneuver uh, for people yeah. who are familiar with uh, with shooting firearms. That uh, that's that's one thing that might do. So he might have been a gun guy as well on the side.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, man, I mean, this has been fun. I can't wait to see all the other stuff you got to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, it was
1: a it was it was a really neat trip. But I think I think I mean this was such a perfectly timely topic because. Um, I love, I mean, as, as as watch bands, like we love, one, we love seeing watches that we recognize in the field, um, but two, you know, as, as gear nerds, too, it's, it's really cool to see all of these really crazy like purpose-built tools that really only do one thing, but they're designed to do it really, really well. And I think within the context of the Air Race, for me, it was really neat to see, um, I mean, these airplanes are essentially, I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, I, I tried to get I tried to get one of the pilots to say this specifically so I could have the pull quote, but he didn't because he didn't agree with me but <laughs> <laughs> but the planes the planes are very analog in the way that a mechanical watch is I mean they are they're almost backwards in a sense that um, there's there's no automation the electronics are super minimal I mean the, the, their plane is sort of the mechanical watch or the analog equivalent to like a you know, a, a highly automated, uh, like a Learjet or something that has autopilot and all of the, sure. you know, the electronics and the systems and everything. So it is. I don't. I don't know. I think the 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 um. I might have missed the point a little bit, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think we were on the same wavelength in a sense that we appreciate these kinds of things that are. They're one. They're purpose built. Two. They're simple. Um, but three, you know, they they are a little bit romantic in that they are analog and and require a very specific type of person to be able to uh, to, to handle them or manage them or appreciate them. I think that's super neat.
0: And that's the best part about watches: the romanticism, <laughs> and probably what continues to pull us in. This is very uh, true. As, we, as as we try to make um, connections with the past while still looking forward to the future,
1: couldn't say it better myself.
0: Um, <laughs> Well, Zach, this has been fun. I think it's probably a good time to sign off and uh, hopefully people enjoyed the episode. And I actually look forward to um, seeing if we can make this a, uh, an ongoing series where we try to just get together for a quick discussion about watches in the field, um, whether you're a diver, pilot, uh, military personnel, uh, could be fun. Yeah. So, no,
1: absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And I would I would love to hear what our audience wants to, uh, you know, the types of watches that they've either seen in the field or they want us to talk about more. I mean, I I know as an ongoing series, I think this could be this could be a lot of fun for folks that uh, that like to get out there. So I'm 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 also very excited about this.
0: Yeah. By all means, if you're if you're a professional out there, and if you're you know if you're a pilot, um, if you're in the military, if you're uh, in a police force, SWAT. I mean, these are all, these are all places that we like to learn about. Even if you're a medical professional, uh, there are some, (laughs) there are some preferences for, for watches. So, um, until next time, uh, I think we can, we can sign off now. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Zach, I'll let you take it away with the sign off and then I'll, I'll wrap it up.
1: Yeah, no, good stuff Michael. Thank you so much for uh, for having me and like I said by the time this airs we should have a should have a great story, a more comprehensive story about the Red Bull air race and I'm uh, looking
0: forward to sharing it with everybody. So thanks again for listening.